Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Joe Pizzapia, Craig Mish on Twitter. You could follow Joe at Joe Pizzapia17. You could follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Make sure you follow us at SportsGrid and go over to sportsgrid.com or our YouTube channel. Check out all of our videos and great shows that we have for you. We are uh, live now in the afternoons and evenings. Pharrell, Coast to Coast, in-game live. Make sure you catch our shows. If you have any questions, comments, hit those guys up. You can uh, you know, talk about gambling, sports, life, anything in general. We had some UFC over the weekend, NASCAR. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some clarity on the other sports in the next couple of weeks. But for now, what we're doing is something that I love to do, which is talk NFL in June. It's my favorite thing. And so we'll continue to do that here on the show as we get closer to hopefully baseball being back. I'm being facetious, by the way. But uh, needless to say, the FanDuel Sportsbook is open for business over at FanDuel. Uh, make sure you check them out and you can get in on all of their futures, whether it's team totals, player props, some really intriguing things, and Joe and I have really run the gamut of all of the different players, whether we like the over, we like the under, and I think some compelling uh, stats today on a couple of these. Uh, so let's get started, Joe, and we're going to do a couple of quarterbacks today. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, it was the biggest surprise uh, of last year, no question about it. It's that dart throw in fantasy where if the guy <laughs> hits, man, you end up having a great season, and that was the case last year for Lamar Jackson if you built your team around him after taking Jackson wherever you did, uh, you probably had a pretty good year, I would think. Uh, his total for 2020 right now, his passing yards on the FanDuel Sportsbook is set at 3199.5, with 112 being the odds, 112 to win 100. Under is the same, clearly, 3199. Now, with the Ravens last year, he threw for 3127. Remember, Lamar does a lot of damage on the ground as well. So not a lot of data really to back this up because 2018 he wasn't he was just like sort of a bit player for right. uh, for them because they had Flacco, but with Louisville, uh, wanted to just kind of throw this out there. Not that it really means anything because college and the pros are completely different. But with Louisville, he did go over this total twice and only he in did. 13 games played. Three six six zero in 2017, three five four three in 2016. He wasn't a big part of the Cardinals team until mid-season and then he came in and, and the stats would not be relevant really for that period of time and again that's going back kind of far really for data purposes so um look he really doesn't have to do a lot more to go over this total in in 2020 they have some pretty good pieces they added Dobbins at running back and their receivers are pretty good too I would think that there's probably a pretty good shot he would go over this but Clearly, I think the reason why you have to set this number where it is, which is what FanDuel's doing, is is telling you essentially, hey, look, beware, this guy could miss a game or two with an injury. And there's always going to be that risk when you have this kind of quarterback that does a lot of damage with his legs. Yeah. And without a doubt, if Jackson does miss a game, he's not going to hit this total. So that would be the worry. That would be the worry. And I think uh, the other worry you take is you look at the game log last year in 2019 of Lamar Jackson, and it's ironic because you would think, well, maybe as the year went on, he became more comfortable in the pocket and went through the ball more. It's actually the opposite. He started off, you look at the game log, we're talking 324, 272, 267, 247. The first month, the guy was just slinging the ball all over the place. Now, at the time, he also had a healthy Marquise Brown. He also had a healthy Mark Andrews. Those guys both dealt with injuries in the second half, and I think the totals really got affected by that as well, not just the style of play, but also some of those key cogs getting hurt. Uh, towards the wrapping up of the season, we're looking at week 12. Let's start there, 169, 105, 145, 212, 238. So the numbers did not get better as the year went on, unfortunately. And I think that's partially because of what was going on with the weapons he had. And also they were just having such massive success in the running game. I think Harbaugh looked at it and saying, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're winning games left and right. Let's just stick with what we're doing. I would imagine there's going to have to be an adjustment because the league is going to adjust to him. I think you're absolutely right. There's always the danger with Lamar Jackson out in space. You never know what could happen. There are a lot of rules to protect the quarterbacks in place. But at the same time, it's a high-risk one. Because it's such a high-risk one, I think this is one of those stay-away bets that you always like to talk about. Like, it's it's a number that's kind of right there. The variables are so large and I think you can really write a lot of scripts that you want in your head for both. 
and I don't see any of them being more valuable than the other scripts. So for me, I would stay away from it because at the end of the day, I do think it's going to be right around there. I don't see them, you know, they haven't brought in some big giant wide receiver threat. Instead, they brought in more running backs in the draft. And I think that's something to keep in mind. This is a team that's going to play defense, run the football first and foremost. And even though I think he has the potential, like you put out there in Louisville, you've shown those numbers and they're great because uh, 13 game. Wow. I mean, it seems like you obliterate this number. But what about the injuries? But what about the success of the running game? But, 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 but. And all those buts to me stay away. How about for you? Do you feel strongly about this one over under? Or do you think no, this is not really? If he told me he played 16 games, I would bet the over because it's not a lot for him to do. Um, he did have a couple of outlier games, like the one against Miami at the beginning of the season, too, right. which tells you that's, you know, unlikely to happen again. But uh, well, you take the I'm outliers. Be- I'm like, not betting on health. Seven game and the 109 game and you really just throw yeah, them that's out. True. That's true. You know? Yeah, I, I don't bet on health in the NFL. So for me, I wouldn't mess with it. It's just there's no reason. Even quarterback to because, health? Because typically, I know he's a running well, quarterback. With this guy, with this guy, I would bet on. I I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume he won't get hurt, but that's not a fair assumption with the amount of running that he does. So, not really interested in this one, to be honest. It it seems about right. Yeah, I think it's stay away. I think it's the, the injury risk is too high, and I think whenever the injury is too high. And you, like you said, you miss a game, you miss this number. That's it's, it's I mean, a terrible there's a reason why the number is not four thousand and it's thirty one hundred. I mean, you know, again, you know, it, it is a little low. I mean, I mean, even looking at some of those numbers last year, like I almost kind of wonder if you did somehow miss a game, if you just improved on some of those that last six week run, just a couple. We're talking like forty yards passing more a game. That's not a whole lot. That would put him well over this number two, right? But but what quarterback only misses one game with a guy like this? It could be two. And sure, then, you know, you're right. It, it, you're right. It, it's just it's it's a difficult one to handicap because of that. Yeah. Now in fair. terms of our next quarterback, Dak Prescott, the only difficulty would be if he didn't play for a holdout, and if he did, you wouldn't have to worry because there's a minimum games that he would have to play here in order to accomplish this. Uh, what would be the purpose of betting Dak Prescott right now, not knowing his contract situation? Probably none. I mean, the only thing that you could take an advantage of here would be to bet the under, and let's say Prescott held his, uh, held out into the first game of the season, um, and he missed it, and you bet the under, and then he got 15 games in, you still would qualify to be able to get this bet. So the under is really the only possibility here, given the deal with his contract. But let's, for the sake of argument, assume that he gets this worked out and he gets the pay. His total is 4319 for the season. And um, his passing yards the last three years would pretty much give you a good indication that last year looked like he knew exactly what he was doing in an outlier type year because he's going into his free agent season. He threw for 4,902 yards. But the last two years, 3885, which is not bad at all, 2017, 3325. Uh, Tony Romo, by the way, is the one that uh, you know had the most. 4903 was his number back in 2012. So it can be done. I mean, he could throw for 5,000 yards. I mean, it's a possibility for Prescott. I would not rule it out. Uh, But it it does seem to me that last season was a little bit of an outlier for him. I I don't really love the over in this spot. And I think that given the reasons that I illustrated there is that a potential holdout could cost him a game or two. And if you bet the under, man, you'd be loving life if this guy missed one, even just one game. So um, does he go over Joe? Does he does he get back to where he was last year? Is he more of the guy that we saw two years ago? Because if it's somewhere in between, that's where the number is for FanDuel. Well, in all fairness, the guy we saw two years ago also was uh, had the handicap of not having Ezekiel Elliott for the full season, if you recall. And on top of that, he didn't get Amari Cooper till the second half of the year. So 2018, when you dig into the deeper stats... He was actually a very good, very competent and efficient quarterback. The problem was he didn't have a whole lot of help around him. That was the difficult part for Dak Prescott. Now, last year's Black Book, Dak Prescott was one of my favorite quarterbacks when I wrote him up because of all the efficiency numbers, because all the deep stats, because everything looked like he was going from a guy who was just trying to not make mistakes to a guy that was looking like he started to figure things out. And then last year, my goodness, (laughs) did he figure things out? And it did help to have Michael Gallup. It did have help to have a full season of Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott. And now he's got CeeDee Lamb too. So there's a ton of talent here. I think this isn't over. I think people will bet the under because of the holdout. Uh, but I think that's the only script you can write for him to not get over this number. Cause you're talking about a drop off of, you know, significant, we're talking 400, 500 yards almost of a difference. And I think that is a huge drop off. You'd have to have a, a complete, 
failure of the Cowboys here to miss this mark. And I don't think the Cowboys are going to completely fail, not offensively anyway. I think offensively they're still going to be very good. They've added another weapon in the draft in CeeDee Lamb. I just – they're a matchup nightmare for a lot of opposing defense, especially in that division. So for me, I understand basically what they did is they, hey, let's just cut the last two years in half and give people something to think about. But the quarterback – that I saw in 2019 is also the same guy in 2018 who was playing the position better. He just wasn't able to make the conversions you wanted because the talent around him was either not present or not good enough. 2019, that all changed. Everybody was there. Everybody's healthy. Now they've added more pieces and you've got the looming contract. There's so many reasons why I think Dak Prescott is still, again, kind of like Tony Romo. Tony Romo is always considered a better fantasy quarterback than a real quarterback. And that's fair. But you know what? This is fantasy sports today. So today, give me Dak Prescott. I'll take him to the bank. Yeah, I would have to ask an odds maker on this one before uh, getting into too deep in like July or August. And my question would be, because I don't know the answer here, because I'm not, I'm, I'm not as familiar with with the you know sort of player prop yardage lines. But if Prescott was under contract right now. I wonder what the number would be. I don't think it would be that much more. Maybe 30 or 40 yards. That would be a guess, but I don't know the answer to that. Maybe he would tell me it'd be nothing. Maybe he would tell me it'd be, or maybe somebody a fan would tell me it'd be 100 more. Maybe it'd be 200 more. I, I don't know the answer to that. And because of that, the only way that I could look would be toward the under, not knowing what his contract situation is. And again, uh, with very slim but only odds on uh, on missing a game. And if he did miss a game for whatever reason, I believe this would be an under. Uh, but on top of that, I, I think it's too murky of, uh, of a situation to be able to figure out because I would need to know uh, from an odds maker, hey, look, Prescott signed. What's your number on FanDuel? If he says it's the same, I still feel like it's an under there at that point. So, uh, But just interesting to see where you know those sort of things fit in. It's impossible uh, to really know what's going to happen. But I would say, I would tell you this, if the number was 200 yards higher, if he was signed, then obviously it would be one of the very few good bets to put in the over now. I just don't know that that is mm -hmm. the case. I don't think it would be. I think that they're under the assumption that he is going to sign. But interesting topic of conversation. I'll have to dig a little bit deeper and ask a couple questions on that one. All right, uh, coming up next, what we'll do is we'll touch on a couple of wide receivers. Uh, one... I think is my favorite prop of all of the props so far that we've come up with. Nothing that I would bet, but I definitely <laughs> think that there is a, a good conviction on uh, on one coming up uh, for a receiver in the NFL. I really like this one a lot. So we'll have that coming up. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. This is Fantasy Sports Today every day, Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching on our YouTube channel, make sure you like and subscribe. Set your notifications to on every day when the show gets posted. to get it right to your phone, your iPad, or however you watch this show. We'll be back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. We're looking at player props at the FanDuel Sportsbook for the National Football League. The month of June is here, and so those of you who are starting to get a little bit of an itch for football, well, we'll scratch that a little bit here today. Of course, uh, July, potentially training camps will open, although the NFL over the weekend reported that nothing is going to be on the field until the middle of July, so we'll certainly have to see how that plays out. But we'll continue to do football content while there is no other sports. Once baseball comes back, hopefully this week, We'll switch on over to baseball full-time. Uh, for now, let's take a look at another receiver in the NFL who sorely underperformed. He was on one of my fantasy teams last year, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, wow, did his numbers plummet from where they were a couple of years ago. His total at the FanDuel Sportsbook right now is 1,999.5 on the over-under got to risk $112 to win 100. These are standard odds, more or less. I mean, you'd love you'd love to see FanDuel throw minus 105s or minus 110s out there and not have to throw another $12 into the pot, but they got to make money too. 
Now, from his total this year, let's take a look at his totals the last three years to get a better indication as to what we can expect. And if last year is any indication, you just bet the under and run. But clearly, that's not going to be the case. <laughs> last year, he was hurt. He was ineffective. He had no quarterback. And I, I, don't, I can't even read the yardage out. It was too low. 2018, he had 1426 receiving yards. And he played alongside Antonio Brown. He had Ben Roethlisberger. 2017 was sort of his coming out party in the second half of the season. So there's quite a lot to unpack here with Juju Smith-Schuster. And, you know, part of me is thinking that he is bound to have a better season because the quarterback is there. But I still am unsure that, first of all, Joe, that he is going to be healthy for an entire season because forced to be in a number one role and be healthy for all of last year— that didn't end up happening. And even if you double the numbers that he had last year in a healthy season, he barely goes over this total. If Juju misses a game or two, I'm not sure that he does. They did draft a wide receiver. Uh, if you told me Roethlisberger was on the field for all of the games, I think there's a pretty good chance he would go over the total. But, man, I am just not into betting guys that are coming off injuries. What in the world happened to this guy last year? Well, I mean, what happened was injury. What happened was his quarterback got downgraded from Ben Roethlisberger, Hall of Famer, to who? I mean, to Mason Rudolph and some other guys that just could not get the job done. I mean, the Why quarterback Why do the play, Steelers ever have really solid backup quarterbacks? Uh, like, caps? Cap space? <laughs> I can answer that question. It's, that's the problem. They've got a lot of money tied up in a lot of big players. And one, Jones, Rudolph, well, at one Duck point Hodge. in time, you have to realize they had money tied up in Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and that's kind of changed structurally the last couple of years. But I would have liked to have seen them <laughs> maybe do a little more. I think Colt McCoy is the backup there. I could be wrong there. Uh, but look, it's um, it's a scenario where we were waiting last year to see what Juju was going to be without Antonio Brown. And we didn't get to see it because we didn't have Roethlisberger. So it's basically an incomplete. Now, the question everybody has to ask themselves is, everybody last year going into drafts was thinking, Juju's the guy, Juju's great, Juju's going to be the number one, somebody else will emerge because this is what happens, right? We go through the Plaxico Burrises of the world and the Antonio Holmes, and we just kind of pass the baton, Antonio Brown, and now just Juju is the next guy in the system. And that's all well and good, except we still don't have any kind of definitive clarity there and that makes this a really dangerous proposition because number one he has to stay healthy number two Roethlisberger has to stay healthy and number three he has to be able to be as good as he was two years ago without Antonio Brown so basically what you're saying is can he be this good when he's double covered can he be this good when he is the focal point because I'll, I'll be honest with you I am still not in love with James Conner James Conner is a talented back James Conner is a great story he works hard but James Conner has proven he has trouble staying on the field. And then what does that do to the offense in terms of the receivers when you are become more of a one-dimensional team? Is McFarlane going to be able to step up right away as a rookie? I don't know. Benny Snell is a little one-dimensional there. Jalen Samuels proved he couldn't do it. So there are so many issues with Pittsburgh right now. I feel like they're a team that's hanging on by a thread. And I don't like to put my money in those scenarios. So for me, I'm going to pass with this one. I might even be tempted to take the under just because – it just seems like there's so many more scripts that you could write for the downside of this. Yeah, I, I don't like this one. Again, you're, there's two huge variables that you're counting on not knowing. And it's one thing if it's just one player, but in this case, it's two. And the first is him, and the second is his quarterback. And if one of those two things were to go down in any kind of way, this is an easy under. But at the same time, if Roethlisberger is playing and he's healthy and he plays 16 games, and if Juju even plays 15 games, I think he could even miss a game because this is a very low total. I think he could go over. So uh, probably just a simple pass for me mm -hmm. on, on, on this one. I, you know, the, the two variables, one variable is enough to have to worry about. Now I have to worry about, I, I haven't seen Roethlisberger in a year. I got to see this guy a little bit. I got to make sure he's okay. Well, he says he's, you know, he feels pain-free for the first time in years. <laughs> he, says, he says this, he says that. I know. I mean, you you scoff, but I'm saying it because that's exactly how I don't believe any of that. So, yeah, I got to see that play out. And, and if Roethlisberger is healthy, plays 16 games, Juju plays 15, way over the total. You, you get killed. So we'll uh, we'll see what what the preseason holds if there is a preseason and then that then I'll make my determination on this. All right, so uh, here's another one that I found some data here that's only pointing in one direction on this one. So this is Devonte Adams of the Green Bay Packers. 
who is known as a number one wide receiver in the NFL and an elite receiver in the NFL and usually a top five fantasy receiver drafted in the NFL. But I think that you have to look at this and ask why. His total is 1,200. 1,200 is the total for this year, which to me looks good. Like, that's a fair total. Looks, you know, you look at it, Fandle, okay, you know, 1,200 doesn't have to go crazy. Just gets a little bit over 1,000, minus 112 to win 100. And then you look at the last four years, and Adams is not young anymore at this point. And this guy's only gone over 1,200 one time. 997 yards last year because of the injury. Uh, the year before he went over easily, 1386, played in 15 games. But in the other two years, and he was, and remember, in 2017, 2016, they had some other guys there too. So he wasn't completely. Jordy Nelson, the they had. <laughs> yeah. So, he but said he wasn't. We never com- mentioned his name, and we did just a day Finally, later. There you go. You got the award. So, uh, so, but he didn't. He didn't really come close to this 1200 number in 17 and 16. You know, you show me 1170, 1150, 1140, but yeah. not even a thousand. So. Look, for me, this is an under. Like, I, I just, he he doesn't hit the number ever, except for once in his career. So what would lead me to believe that all of a sudden Adams is going to have this fantastic season that he hasn't had? Now, is he a red zone target? Absolutely. Is there a chance that he gets more volume this year because the Packers failed in the draft to get a wide receiver, at least okay. for now? <laughs> now, well, again, look, they could end up with A.J. Green or somebody else. I'm not going to rule any of I mean, that Alan out. Alan Lazard isn't going to be the, the second coming of Devontae Adams? not be. I like Jake Kumaro though. Oh no, I haven't lost you to the Kumaro thing now. Too, like you were little, you were Team Lazard last year for a couple of weeks. Now you've gone to the pack with the Kumaro. I'll, I'll just keep shifting around. Yeah, it's always uh, the guy you never heard of. Spoiler alert: they're okay. all wrong. None of them are right. I'm sorry. Well, we'll see. <laughs> but I, I, I gotta say, look, this is just we've one seen. Where Hold on, data a is we just pointing seen. down. It wasn't MVS. It wasn't Geronimo Allison. It wasn't Lazard. It's not Kumaro. It's none of the above. It's zero. Well, maybe you know they get it somebody. It's Aaron Jones. That's the guy you wanted. This is the only guy in this offense that I feel like you could look at and say, yeah, I understand the, the TD total was really high last year, but you know what? Take a look at the other jabronis around him. That's why the TD total was so damn high. Because no matter how many times you want to pivot off of him, no matter how many times you want to make someone else the thing in this offense, it ends up coming back to Aaron Jones for the last two years. You make a fantastic argument here, uh, and you basically kind of have piggybacked what I've been saying for the last two years, which is uh, everybody in the fantasy community fell in love with Devontae Adams' 2018 well, season. two years ago, it, we'd be wrong if that was the Well, case. no, but but here's what happened was they, they fell in love with the 2018 season because of the incredible consistency. It wasn't just the numbers. It was how consistent the numbers were. It's one thing to have an average, like you have an Amari Cooper average, where it's like, oh, my God, 37 points, and oh, my God, three and then at the end, it all kind of averages out to something good. Devontae Adams was not that. Devontae Adams was, like, catching, you know, seven balls a game for, you know, 100 yards to the touchdown. It was like boom, boom, boom. But it was crazy how good he was in 2018. And 2019, obviously, things didn't exactly go their way. But I think the lack of a secondary threat in this passing game hurts Devontae Adams. I also think overall, statistically speaking, he does not have nearly the same track record of Julio Jones, of DeAndre Hopkins, who I see Devontae Adams in a lot of drafts going ahead of them in early drafts. And I don't understand this logic at all. It makes my head hurt. So for me, the 1,200, how do you not go under here? Because you've basically set up a situation here where three of the last four years have been under the trend. And I know you like trends. The trend is so strong against it. What's the argument for the over? Like everything breaks right and Aaron Rodgers starts throwing for 300 yards again? Because I got news for you, boys and girls. The Aaron Rodgers, what do you have, like three 300-yard games last year? The guy is not the Aaron Rodgers of five years ago, okay? We have to kind of reprogram our brains a little bit with the Packers. This is a team that likes to run the football. That's what they are right now. So I, I don't get this at all. 1,200 for me, I'm I'm in the under here for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is my favorite one of all the ones we went over just because, not even the player, just because the data is so supportive of it. It's he it just... I mean, how, how can you, you're essentially just saying, I don't believe everything that I've seen in the last four years. <laughs> yes. and, and even if Adams played two more games last year and had a hundred yards in each game, he still would not have gone over. Nope. So, um, and it's not really so much about Rogers throwing for 300 yards for me because we've seen guys only throw for 200 yards, but a hundred goes to one guy. So that, that's that to me, that's not the argument that I would use. The argument is just strictly on data. Um, and, and even still, I'm not completely sold the Packers don't make a move before the season starts to get another receiver. I don't know who that would be. 
But I think they'll recognize that, and I think they'll correct it before the year starts because they simply really don't have anyone um, strong well, on the they, other side they, of him. They had the best rookie wide receiver draft we've seen in quite some time, probably since the Odell Beckham draft. And instead, they moved up in the first round to take a backup quarterback. So they're like running back too. Yeah, I I don't I cannot tell you. They'll I get, it fixed. They'll get it fixed. You know what? That's what they've been saying for the last three years, Craig, since Jordy Nelson left, and they haven't gotten it fixed. They just haven't. Well, so. I'll, I will I will predict that before the season starts, there will be a name that we're not talking about as a new wide receiver on the Packers. That would be my prediction. Aside uh, Devontae Adams, I would I would guess that. That's where uh, I'm going to go. But I would have guessed they would have drafted one because they were in well, a perfect spot to get one of those guys. I'm going to double down on that. I'm All right. Well, you're going to double I'll down. I'll, I'll be waiting here. <laughs> All right. I just okay. I can't waiting. It just never happens every year. All right. Well, either way, we both lean toward the under on that one. Yes. Okay. So uh, coming up next, what we'll do is we'll hit on a little NBA topics. They're talking about starting up a season in less than a month. If that is the case, it's a really interesting topic because you have several really good all-star type players that essentially are going to be uh, asked to come back to play 10 to 12 games so the owners can make their money off the TV contracts. Will they come back and play? What is the point? And if you're in some sort of fantasy season where you're going to be continuing, would it be safe to just try and pivot these players to another team or maybe cut them and pick somebody else up? We'll touch on that next on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back here with you as it looks like the end of the month of July is going to provide us with some new NBA content, fast and furious and potentially fresh. The only question is at this point, does the NBA come back and play the remainder of their regular season along with the playoffs or do they just come back to play the playoffs? And there seems to be a lot of difference of opinions. Now, the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, a month ago said that he saw no scenario where the league would start up their next season in December, essentially playing this season out until October and November. Now, uh, with them starting up at the end of July and August, it would seem to me that if the season was delayed, it may only be delayed by a week or two, and they can also cut back on some of the preseason, but certainly all of this is subject to change. The other thing that they're discussing is having some sort of quarantined area where the NBA players play, such as Orlando, Florida, in the Disney World area where there are a ton of hotels. Although Disney World is going to be getting ready to open back up over the next couple of weeks, too. So you're going to have to essentially tell the players, don't go to Disney World. A little bit tough. A lot of uh, things still fluid. But before we get to some specifics in terms of names, Joe, the question that I would have, if I am an NBA player in my first or second or third year, and selfishly speaking, maybe not saying this publicly, would be why am I coming back to play 10 to 12 games unless there's a reason for it? Now, one of the things that the league's discussed is basically some sort of late uh, play-in possibility for the playoffs. Uh, obviously, the teams that are the 6 and 7 seed in the East and the West are going to say, no way, are you kidding me? We played 70 games of the season or 65 games of the season. We're not going to allow these teams to just jump into the playoffs ahead of us. That would not be fair. Uh, the only way to do this may simply be 10 or 12 games being played out at the end, and the games are indeed meaningless, like the regular season of the NBA would be meaningless. But the only difference is, is that you're dealing with a pandemic. You're dealing with the possibility of players with families and getting sick, and they know that they're only coming back for a handful of games and not at the highest salary in the world either. So this creates a, a dynamic that's very different than anything else. This isn't like baseball starting up a brand new year where everybody has a chance, whether you're on the Orioles or the Yankees, it doesn't make a difference. If you're on the Cavs or the Hawks, you got no shot. You're just basically coming back to make sure that the, uh, that the owners get paid their TV deal. Right, but the TV deal basically then pays for your salaries going forward. See, I feel like they're all interconnected. I mean, my initial response is, hey, why do I come back and play meaningless games? Like, well, the same reason you play meaningless games at the end of the season in a regular scenario, because it's your job. And you is not a regular scenario at all. It's not a regular scenario, but in that instance, they're asking you to play 10 games, not for months and months. 
So if they can provide an area that is safe, that is monitored, that is clean, that is uh, tested, and all those issues are well within their grasp, and they are preparing for 60 days to do that. I mean, we're 60 days away from this NBA season as well. It's a long time. So I don't see the reason why. I mean, if everyone's going back there to play, it doesn't matter if the games are meaningful or not. It's whether or not you sign the contract to play and are they providing you a safe place? I think it's no different than the restaurant opening. Do you think a lot of waiters are going to make a lot of tips when restaurants start opening up again for business inside, not just delivery and takeout? They're going to go there and they're going to say, well, what's the point of this? Because I'm not making tips. I'm here. And the point is, well, hopefully at some point in time, the business comes back and then you have a job next year. I think that's kind of the scenario we're in. So uh, I think yeah, it's a very I mean, tough I, I don't sell. see that at all. I think that that's a, a it's it's that's not that's not even close to I think what what any of these guys Well, you're do. right. It's not even close because they're not making nearly as much money. And never will. And and any right. re, and any waiter at a restaurant in 5 years is not going to be getting a max contract of 100 million dollars. No, like but if you want a max are. contract of 100 million dollars, how do you say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to come back and play 10 crappy games that don't matter just very easily say I'm not going to come back and what? play 10 crappy games that mean nothing and risk my life when I can come back and play for you next year." See ya. Talk to you then. Well, then why did they say that? I mean, they, listen. Then why did they say Leonard? To play if they Kawhi Leonard signs the biggest contract in NBA history and sits out every other game. How does he get to do that? <laughs> well, that's a whole other story what's, for another. Well, segment. what's what's the difference here? These guys make their own rules. The NBA is run by the they players. Make, they make their own rules, but at the same point in time, you don't get your money if the TV contracts don't. There's get no paid, money. So there's no money to be game. had for these young kids. They they're make well. Listen, I take it back. They're still making millions, but the point is, is that. Would I come back and play for forty thousand dollars for two weeks, or would I, or fifty thousand, or would I just say, hey, you know, uh, I think I'll be able to sit this out and I'll be back next year. You see, guys, sit out the end of season. So you're all saying the, time. the only people that should put themselves in potential again, I'm using a potential danger because I'm not, that's... I'm not saying they should or not. I'm saying that this is a scenario that definitely has to come into mind with some players who are playing for nothing. Well, they're playing for the league. And the league is paying the salary. So I can't I, – I struggle with the notion that they're playing for nothing because they are. They're playing for the the money to come through the NBA system, which then in turn pays you next year, which then in turn pays the next guys and the next guys. It's a fraternity. It's a job. It's a union. It's all these things. And if you are not – you can't say to some guys, well, these games matter, so they're all going to play. But you – like – Either you're all playing or you're not all playing. And if you're all playing and you've agreed to a deal to play, then you have to so, go. So how do you explain Kawhi Leonard two years ago? What? Just a guy sitting out every other game? The whole year. I I don't know, Craig. I can't tell you why NBA guys. Got out the whole play. year. Well, I mean, and what was the reason? Just didn't want to play for the Spurs. Sat out. Played right. for the, missed the whole year. Right. So that's a contract negotiation. Right. He just didn't want to play for the team anymore right. and knew that he was the following year was going to cash in. What's the difference here? Trey Young on the Hawks is going to end up getting a well, I mean, it's still still early on in his career. Looks like potentially in a few years could get a max contract from some team. Is it worth it for Trey Young for 60 grand, right. 70 grand, 80 grand to come to go to Orlando to play 10 meaningless games and risk his life? So I'm, I'm taking it. You have a very positive uh uh, identification, which is this is not worth those guys coming to play, correct? I'm not saying it is or it's not. I'm just saying that these, and I'll show you the list, these are some of the best players that are on really bad teams. Now, I had help from Brett, our producer here for sure, to make this clear. Brett, of course, worked in the NBA for many years, but the combination of the two of us here, I actually came up with this list and, and Brett added to it. Uh, but Trey Young of the Hawks, uh, John Collins of the Hawks, they have two really young players that you know, in, in terms of what they're getting paid, pales in comparison to others. Andre Drummond, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the season and is going to be able to cash in for a second time. And DeAndre Ayton, who was one of the top picks in the NBA draft, is another player on the Phoenix Suns. They have absolutely no shot uh, of the playoffs. Uh, so, again, there's only a handful of guys that are in this situation. All I'm asking is and listen you illustrated your point i mean your point is is that hey you're an employee you're you should you, you signed a the, contract to play in the future you should and come if you're back gonna hold play. out but, like, but that but it's, it's, it's not that simple it's not that simple <laughs> if it was 
Kawhi Leonard would have been forced to play for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, Greg but Popovich Le'Veon Bell wasn't been forced, forced in a to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He sat out. He knew Pittsburgh wasn't going to pay him. He didn't want to get franchised anymore, and that was it. You make a choice as an individual, but at the same point in time, the, that's individual choices. And if they want to sit out, that's their individual choice to sit out. And but I I'm think saying, that there will be players that make individual choices that's that different will not than, play. That's different and I think it could happen in baseball as well. It could happen in baseball as well. And that's fair. And if someone has significant health issues, you know, you have to look at the data on these things too. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's been very clear data that the majority of folks who have struggled with this disease are older age bracket and an age bracket that have a lot of pre-existing conditions. However, there's also been some folks that are younger who have other conditions or even zero health issues who have struggled with it. So I think individuals, I don't think anybody's going to look at an individual and say, oh, you're an asthmatic, you have issues with this, or you're in diabetes, or you have whatever pre-existing condition you have, and you're afraid for your life and your family or whatever that is, and they're going to look anything less of them. But if you're a healthy person and they're providing you an agreement to provide a healthy environment for you to play – and you've agreed as a league to play, I don't understand what what you, I mean, you're telling me some of these stars won't come back for 10 games to play. Well, who cares then? Because those 10 games don't matter anyway, according to them and according to you. So what's the difference, I guess? I mean, that's the whole point of the segment is to identify the players that may not come back. <laughs> I, I understand. So these are the players that won't come back. And you just basically said that the last 10 minutes we've talked is what's the point? <laughs> what, what, the point so, is, is that that's what we're trying to identify for people if they are playing but, in fantasy leagues, but if they have these type fantasy, of players. So there's I'm, just I'm a, to, and it, again, the there's a chance. So we're talking in fantasy that, leagues. We're not talking in wagering. Well, the reality creeps in too, but the, the idea is that you you I'm painting a scenario where that may not play out. Every single player may decide to come back and play, but I would not be surprised to see a few players say, hey, you know what? Um, what's the point? You know, why am I going to come back and put myself at risk when there is when I'm basically just risking myself for nothing? It's not a lot of money to these guys. I think that there's a chance that some could sit out. Um, I'll tell you another player that is not on my list or or Brett's at all. But you put yourself in Vince Carter's shoes, right? Hmm? What what should Vince? I mean, Vince Carter probably will come back knowing I was him. Say, this is his last hurrah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's had five last hurrahs already. <laughs> <laughs> what, why would Vince Carter come back to play 12 meaningless games just to play 12 meaningless games? Perhaps it's a, it's a case by case situation, but if I was the agent of an NBA player and, and I had a chance to cash in on a max contract in a year mm -hmm. or two, um, as bad as it sounds, and I know my team has no shot at the playoffs. And the only reason that they're doing this is to accomplish funds at the end of the year. I would strongly consider telling my guy, hey, look, you know, right. are you sure you really want to go and do this? You're, you're conflating the two things. So you're there are two. And this is the same problem that a lot of people like myself have with Blake Snell. You're conflating the health concerns or the money concerns from the health concerns. Money. It's all about money. This whole thing's about money. Of course. It's so, about so it's OK for the owners Man, to make the players come back and no. play 12 games. No, to get paid instead of just doing the playoffs and the, and the owners taking the hit. That's what okay. I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you let me finish, is that it's a very slippery slope because in, in Major League Baseball, at the end of seasons, when guys have nothing to play for anymore in September, they don't go on the IL because people don't go on the IL because you should be expanded rosters. They would just sit out. Well, I got a contract coming up. I got I don't want to push myself. I don't want to get hurt. Oh, I've hit my innings limit on my shoulder and all the things, all these things that this is just sports in general. But under these circumstances, if you are trying to finish the season for a reason as teams to cash in on contract money for TVs that fund the league you play in, that is important. If you're talking about just specific individuals who are on contract years not coming back because they're in fear of getting hurt or whatever it might be, that's something you deal with every single year. There are two different issues. And then the third issue is the legitimate health concerns. And I think they can't be conflated all as one thing because they're not. I, I don't think that many of these players are going to, they're very young and athletic. I don't think that they're going to have health concerns for now. I think that they're going to have concerns that they're playing in games that are not needed and, and they're, they're no point to them as individuals. That's called being a professional athlete. Unfortunately, some teams suck. Sorry. And, and team and the, and the golden state warriors sign uh, three, four different guys and team up and, and win NBA championships. They do what's best for them, not what's best for the league. And True. I think in this case, some players may do what's best for them, and I don't have a problem with it. 
Okay, we'll come back and wrap things up right here on Fantasy Sports Today after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Don't forget, Craig and Joe right back here with you here tomorrow, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern here on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll recap a little NASCAR, look ahead toward the weekend, although the week is uh, just sort of getting started. Joe, did you catch uh, Saturday the launch, the uh, the uh, NASA launch by any chance? On you know, TV? I, I didn't know catch on Saturday. We, my kids had a whole thing. They're doing these virtual field trips and these things, which has been very cool. Uh-huh. They visited the caverns. They visited the San Diego Zoo. And they've had to do write-ups about them and things like, which is honestly really cool. Like they've they've found a lot of ways in this homeschooling period to really kind of branch out educationalize. And I think it's been the kids have really enjoyed it. But there's like two straight days of us waiting for the launch and it not happening. So uh, unfortunately, I did not see it. Uh, Saturday, okay. I was doing a bunch of outdoor work in the house. That's why I got a little little color on the nice bald head here. But did you actually catch it? I did, yeah. I saw the. Uh, I didn't see it outside, but I saw it, uh, you know, on television. <laughs> I watched it on television. For, I mean, I'm in Florida, so it's not un- unrealistic to think that. But yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, it was really cool to see. Uh, my kids watched it too. My wife's like, hey, everybody, get you know, come around. Let's take a look at it. It was, you know, interesting for about you know five ten minutes. I think <laughs> being there in person is really the way to go. With this I thing. imagine being there in person is a spectacular thing. I actually, you know, it's it's weird what you remember as a kid and stuff. I remember being home um, from school sick the day that the Challenger disaster happened. And I remember as a kid watching it on TV and being – I remember my mother being in in a different room with our our neighbor in the kitchen and me being in the living room just – yeah, I wasn't feeling well that day. I was home from school and was watching the space and then it blew up and I remember – being kind of upset and saying, mom, something's wrong. I feel like something's like trying to communicate and then her coming in the room. And then obviously, you know, you're kind of witnessing history, but it's very weird. Um, It's not a lot of times like that nowadays where you're witnessing history happen. I remember, you know, we are right now. (laughs) Oh, like I say, we are right now. And that's, that's the incredible thing. But, you know, now everyone's got a cell phone camera. So history happens in front of you in different ways. Sure. But, to, to live broadcast television was only 13 channels or whatever it was that you're all watching something and something like that happens instantly. And you're all, there's no, like this happened now we're covering it to watch it happen live. And I remember the buildup as a kid, like we were learning about it in school and, and all these things. And that was, um, it's, it's neat to see that, you know, we're, you know, still exploring the universe and I'm a big universe space nerd person. So I think it's very cool that we're continuing to do that. And, you know, it's always good to remember that there's a, a lot good of to remember all the people dying. Uh, no, 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 that the universe is larger than us. And I think perspective is good. And the one thing that always gives us perspective is remember how small we are compared to the rest of the universe. And uh, I don't know. I think that's, that's a healthy thing for us every now and then to realize. So that's all. Uh, but all right. it's great, that we're great exploring story. things. Was, was Steve Carell around? Did you watch the, uh, did you watch the uh, so I so I would say that I did okay so <laughs> I I, I watched <laughs> I watched the first episode of Space Force I thought it was entertaining it's it's actually there's actually like more of uh there's comedy to it make no mistake about it but it's actually like a real story you know it's not just like like the office for just laughs for 30 minutes and I guess people will probably try and make that comparison is but there's like acting. It's a story. It was. I, I think the first episode was 36 minutes. Okay. Good. All right. And I don't know how long episode two is. Um, I watched the first episode, uh, you know, sort of uh, late on Saturday night. So one, it, it's hard for me to just keep you know binging like that. My wife is now like watching everything. She's got now. I showed her how to use the the fire stick. She's just watching everything. She's like, let's watch more. Let's watch more. I'm like, no, no, no. The no, no, fire no. stick is terrific. That's a very cool, uh, very is. cool vision. Yeah. No. So uh, well, I'm, I'm into episode one. I would say uh, my grade would be a B for the first episode. Okay. And we'll just kind of see how it goes. The problem is with these sort of shows is that with everybody doing nothing is on Twitter and on social media, everyone is now talking about it. And there's probably people who have finished it for sure. 
And so I know this is going to get ruined for me, and that's the problem. Well, is it? I mean, is it, it doesn't seem like a ruined kind of show, is it? Like, I, I, yeah, I mean, but I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about it. I want to be able to watch it and be entertained, not know. Oh, this person true. died. True. That oh, that is happened. one of the unfortunate things. Is you know we came up with a rule on our podcast is like we won't talk about the new Star Wars movie for. We give everybody two weeks for for movies. We give everybody three days for television shows. Because if if you say you're a fan of a show and it just came out on Sunday night, like when Game of Thrones was running, we wouldn't talk about Game of Thrones until three days. We gave everybody three days to catch up. If you didn't watch it by then, that's on sure. you. And then we'll yeah, talk it, about there, it. There's definitely, there's definitely a part of the first episode that I can say that could be, you know, potentially ruined by somebody on social media by telling me what happens down the road. Okay. I don't even want to get into any further details, but that's it. Like there's, you could, somebody could ruin something for this show. There's, there's no question about it. So um, we'll see about that. Uh, now this was interesting. I saw this yesterday, and this this piqued my interest. It's going to oh, did it did it pique your of, interest? A lot of a lot of others will pique their interest too. Mm -hmm. So uh, Pamela Anderson, who now is you know much older, uh, said <laughs> that that you know everyone knows who Pamela Anderson was when it was the '90s. It was all about Baywatch, and it was all about her and Tommy Lee, and uh, Gosh, yeah. some of the, some of the first leaked videos were all time were involving Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. That's and then the Kardashians jumped on that train, but story for another day. Um, so she says Pamela Anderson that she could still fit in her Baywatch suit from the late 80s into uh, the 90s, Joe. I, I just, it, it kind of struck me there for a minute. Because did it strike you? Where did it strike years? you? Just curious, did it strike you in a specific place or just just struck you? My my ear. Struck your me ear my struck ear. you in your yeah, ear. This, That's this lobe weird, right here. A weird place. And, for and ironically, spot. here in my office, I have I have a Baywatch. No, I don't actually. I don't. <laughs> I was wondering if you pull out like one of those little life wrap things that they used to use. Yeah. Uh, can we get Craig running in slow motion? There's not enough slow motion running on TV nowadays, too. Yeah, that's you, another thing. Were you a Baywatch fan? Did you watch Baywatch? <laughs> no, that, I mean, I think as every as any male who grew up some point in time in their teenage years, you watched Baywatch. But I wouldn't say I was a I, fan. I was not religiously into Baywatch. No, I don't think I could ever say that I watched an entire episode of Baywatch ever. Uh, but it is amazing. Like, I watched that Hasselhoff, Hasselhoff on on uh, Knight Rider religiously. Think about Hasselhoff, right? Like. The dude had Knight Rider. The dude had Baywatch. Like this guy, this guy always worked somehow, and then he became like a joke unto himself at times. Like you know, playing David Hasselhoff, playing himself. I mean, right. has anyone ever made more of a career with less talent than David Hasselhoff? It's pretty stunning. What do you think about Maybe. it? Listen, and, but, and and he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's exactly yeah. my kind of guy. I, I I agree there. And and look, good for I'm, I have no doubt that Pamela Anderson can. Uh, can get into the bathing suit still. Um, this this link there with the picture though, I'm worried. Is she starting to get like the um, the massive surgery face? Because it oh, feels yeah. like oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that's the thing I don't understand. It's like you know, there's nothing wrong about getting older. I understand when your entire it's life. It's just is... unfortunate because we remember these people looking like something, and now yes, they don't. But, but I, I'll tell you, I would you know who the one see somebody most... beautiful old than somebody beautiful frightening. You know who's the most disappointing looking now? I, I mean, I can't believe Besides it. Like us. Oh, <laughs> I mean, my hair is looking all right. I don't know about you, but um, Madonna. Oh, she looks like a character from Lord of the oh, Rings. Man, uh, like I, I, I hadn't even paid attention to what oh. Madonna looked like in the last couple of years. But and neither is she. Is she. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Madonna looked so good. I don't know why she had to do all that. Just, there's such a weird thing about growing old, and and I don't know. I mean, we we've, we've seen a lot of great beauties grow older. There's nothing wrong with growing old. I mean, Annette Bening always, you know, looked good when she's been aging and Helen Mirren and all of these people. It's it's the people who created their faces into these weird plastic configurations that it's kind of scary. And I don't understand why people want to do that to themselves. But I guess when they're so hung up on what you look like or, you know, that's that's your M.O. Yeah, from I mean, the we, I mean we can speak toward being a lower level of television and movies than these people can, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of feel like for a lot of them too, sort of their limelight careers are kind of over and they're doing it even past the point that they need to because they're not on TV or on videos like nearly as much as they used to be. So, you know, I'm sort of like, what's the point? Like, wh why did you do, why are you doing it if you're not doing anything anyway at this yeah, point? Yeah, see, Pamela Anderson was not my favorite Baywatch person. It was definitely Carmen Electra for the time she was on there. Who also, she was yeah. just on the uh, the, the documentary was. with the Bulls. She looks okay. 
She looks pretty good. She, she looked look pretty good in that video. She doesn't look yeah. weird, surgically enhanced, bizarre, no, like not. crypt creature person. Like, why Why are we doing this to ourselves? No, you know, I'm no. sure she's had work done. I'm sure most people oh, in Hollywood sure have. But uh, seriously, like, come on. Like, you know, really? It's just, I don't know. It's sad. It makes me sad. Yeah. You know, well, we're going to grow of- gracefully on this show. I just want to tell everybody you keep watching for the next 10 years. We're at graceful aging here. No, no hair plugs for me. I can't speak to you. I don't know. I, what you you're can't doing. speak for me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you got, I think yeah. I have to keep, I think I'm going to have to keep my hair. My wife likes the hair. So somehow I'm going to have to figure that okay. out. I don't it know. It makes her happy. I now. like it much shorter. She likes it much longer. Now I have no choice. So clearly it's much longer. I don't know what to do. Sort it out. Mr. Saturday Night. <laughs> Curry <Mitch. laughs> Uh Michael Jordan's 1985 sneakers the air jordans are going up for auction they're saying that these could get about a half a million dollars the story goes that these were given to a fan many years ago who has chosen to cash in i don't blame them um the the thing that makes these sneakers so unique is that this is when jordan came back from his injury and so there was uh, a special sneaker that was made for him to assist him with the uh, the surgery right. that he had so he could come back and play. So nobody could wear these except for him, which definitely make these unique. We'll end on this. Is there any particular piece outside of paying for it, Joe, that you would say, man, I, you know, that you've seen on television or whatever, that you'd be like, I'd really lo- love to have this piece uh, in my collection. Is there any? like a memorabilia piece? Sure. That's, that's difficult. Um... Maybe even something with acting or I don't know, any, anything at all. No, you know, it's very funny. I've gotten to a weird place where the material things really, it's 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 more personal material things. Like we talk about the baseball car collections or, or balls you got signed. It's more like remembering the experience of that than having it. I have not, I'm not a crazy collector in that sense. But okay. uh, I the one thing I am always very, you know, attuned to is the 86 Mets. So uh, sure. I could see myself, you know, again, that's like my most happy moment from childhood. If you you gave me the ball that went through Bill Buckner's legs, that might be something that I would uh, I would covet. And because it's that moment in, in sports history where I think that I went from being a huge fan to just super fan. And that's that moment of my happiest childhood sports memories there one for you or a player or something connected. Well, yeah, you know, I'm really fortunate to, to have some stuff, uh, but not like, of game course, used. it's directly under your chair. We know you're sitting, you're literally not game, sitting. Not, not game used, not a ton of that kind you of know, stuff. But the game used the Iron Throne in Game of Thrones, which is made from a thousand swords. Craig's chair is made from a thousand pieces of memorabilia melted down by dragon fire. It's an incredible thing to behold. <laughs> I think something Gator related, like Tebow's jersey when he won the championship. I think is that he was your guy. Um, he's not my guy, but I'm a Gator through and through. So that's okay. the only thing that I still. Root I never would have thought. You know, not that like you. I mean, as a Gator fan, you you love Tebow. I get it, but I never would have thought like he is your Gator. Who's your Gator guy? Like do you have like if you're a fan he, of the- he was not. Uh, I, I did not go to school when he was there, right. but he certainly is in my top two, top three. Okay. I mean, look look how much joy he brought the Gator Nation. I mean, a, a ton. He's the best, one of the best college football players of all time. So yeah. uh, I, w- I didn't go to school when he was there. I don't have that same relationship that other people do, but he certainly, um, I'd love that jersey that he wore in the championship game. All right, uh, that'll do it for the show. Thanks to everybody who watched, and we'll catch you tomorrow at 11. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.